0: Welcome to Quick Hits, the most intermittent podcast in the universe, and the only one that gets you smartnized. Today's episode... I got the vapors. So I'm thinking about what I should do for the next podcast. A sufficient number of months has passed. You can tell how seriously I take this. And I'm playing around with some different ideas. Maybe I could do something on the Overton window. Uh, I might want to do one on uh, multi-line BBS that I ran back in the 90s maybe a bullshit meter adjustment episode on vapes, because there's a lot of bullshit floating around about those. And then, about two weeks ago, it's in the news that 30 people have been hospitalized from bad vapes. And I'm thinking, "Ah, what's going on here? People have been using vapes for 10 years. There's never been anybody gotten sick from them. And then we hear it's up to 100 people. And some of them are intensive care. And at last report, it was 300 people and six have died. But it turns out that they're not using commercial nicotine vapes at all. In every single case, they were people using THC vapes that were on the black market. Now, you can buy THC vapes just like you can buy nicotine vapes in stores that sell them legally in the states that allow that. And it's about 60 bucks for a half a gram of juice in them, whereas the street vapes gives you a gram of juice for about 25 bucks. So there's definitely incentive to go with the cheaper ones in states where it's legal, and of course in states where it's not legal, the only ones that you can get, The only THC vapes that you can get are the black market ones. But we can see what happens when there's no quality control and they're using solvents and mixtures that can cause lasting and permanent damage. The government, of course, has responded to this by restricting the actual vapes that never hurt anybody. The most common way of doing this is to make it illegal to sell anything except flavorless and tobacco-flavored vapes. And if you've ever tried the tobacco-flavored vapes, they're terrible. They're lousy. This is the equivalent of... Imagine that somehow vegans manage to infest all different levels of government. And they hate milk and they're dead set against milk, and they want to do everything they can to get rid of milk. And then there's a problem. Six people die from bad apple juice, and they say, well, because of this, we're going to restrict milk. That's exactly what they're doing here. They're restricting something that had absolutely nothing to do with the problem. Now, for those of you unfamiliar with vapes, let's just uh, take it from the top. Take it from the bottom. Get the basics down here. Vapes are made with vape juice and the vape juice starts with either vegetable oil or propylene glycol. Propylene glycol is a rather marvelous substance that can be used for all kinds of different things. It's an inactive substance. It's got a little viscosity to it, a little sliminess, and it's used in food. It's used in medicine. You can drink this stuff. It's harmless. It's used as a moisturizer in cosmetics. It's used as a food additive to change texture. It replaced a more dangerous form of glycol in antifreeze. The old form of antifreeze was something that was poisonous, and if you dripped it onto your garage floor... And your dog came along and licked it and they like it because it's kind of sweet, it would kill them. So they switched to propylene glycol and that problem went away. One of the more interesting things, I use propylene glycol, I actually have a bottle of it that I bought, and you can use it to control the humidity in a cigar humidor. You mix it 50-50 with water and you put it into some sort of a retaining device, beads or sponge or whatever. And you put it in your humidor. And a humidor, you want to keep the relative humidity correct. And propylene glycol, or PG as it's often called, mixed 50-50 with water will maintain a 65% relative humidity automatically. If the humidity is higher than that, it absorbs it. If the humidity is lower than that, it releases moisture. So it maintains a constant humidity. So you're making some vape juice and you start with PG. You can also do it with vegetable oil and you can mix the two to get various amounts of vapor. But usually it's PG. And then you add to that nicotine and flavoring. And then when you heat that up, you heat up a small amount of that, you get a water vapor. And that water vapor contains nicotine and flavors and dissipates very rapidly. Not like smoke that lingers for a long time. Now, vapes are available in a variety of different formats. You can get a single-use vape. Generally looks like a cigarette. Costs five, six bucks. And is about equivalent to one pack of cigarettes. So if somebody just wants to try it out, they can get that, they can use it. The next way to do it is with cartridge-based vapes. Things like Juul, J-U-U-L, or Blue, B-L-U. They sell a cartridge along with the heating device, and you simply use a cartridge and throw it away. They cost about 18 bucks for four cartridges, and each cartridge is equivalent to about a pack of cigarettes. So it can save you some money that way, and it's also very convenient. However, you do go through the cartridges pretty quick, generally. Next up are refillable cartridges. They come in various shapes and sizes. Some are cylinders with a little clear piece on top that you can put your own juice in. There are squares, there are teardrops. one that I use is a teardrop shape, little plastic piece in the top that snaps in, where you refill it with any vape juice that you want. And then you buy the vape juice in bottles, fairly small bottles, but they last for a long time. You can get a lot of refills out of them. And they're available, they're about 18 bucks a bottle, and they're any flavor that you want, any combination that you want, different strengths of nicotine. How strong nicotine do you want on it? And these are extremely popular and a really, really cheap way to smoke. And then last of all, you get the really serious vapors who get into mods and different coils and mixing their own juice, try and get the most smoke, and they just kind of go nuts on it. And that can be a rather expensive way to go, but it amuses people. The bottom line, as far as health and vapes are concerned, several different health organizations have looked at them and declared them 95% safer than tobacco. Because you're only getting water vapor flavor and nicotine, you're not getting any of the other chemicals that happen when you burn tobacco. And you're not smoking paper either. You're not getting any carbon monoxide. You're not getting any tar. And tar is the real killer in tobacco. That's what really... Destroys your lungs over time. All gone with vapes. In fact, people who have switched from cigarettes to vapes report that within a few days they felt better. They had better wind. They could walk longer. They were just felt healthier. It's harm reduction. And tens of millions of people have switched. So there's really no downside to them at all that I can think of as far as if you're going to use nicotine. This is the quickest, simplest way to do it. Not as much fun as cigars, not as much fun as a good pipe, good tobacco pipe, but still uh, a really, really good alternative to cigarettes, much, much safer. But you have to realize that the pleasure police, especially the nicotine Nazis, they do not want harm reduction. They want you to stop doing what you like to do, period, and will do anything to make that happen. When vapes first came out, they were dead set against them. Oh, they're terrible. Now, now, bear in mind, a lot of people use vapes to quit cigarettes. They switch to vapes, and then sometimes they stay with vapes, and sometimes they win themselves off the vapes, and they don't use them anymore. It is probably the most successful way of quitting smoking it has the a very very high success rate but the nicotine Nazis don't want that they want your only choices to be quit or die harm reduction really pisses them off they just don't like that idea at all now there are a lot of people who seem to think that the tobacco companies are behind These bans and restrictions on vapes. They're wrong. The tobacco companies actually own vapes. Blue is owned by a tobacco giant named Imperial Brands. Jewel is owned by Altera, the people that make Marlboros. They were quick to get into this business, and they're making money off of it. They're doing fine with it. They're not the ones that want vapes killed, it's the pleasure police and the states. Why would the states want to kill vapes? Well, for that, we have to go back into history a little bit. Back in 1998, there was what was called the Master Tobacco Settlement. People have been suing tobacco companies forever, trying to sue them for lung cancer, heart disease, whatever, And in every single case, for a long time, the tobacco companies always won. But then they started losing. And they could see the writing on the wall that this was going to be a huge liability. Maybe a big enough liability to put them out of business sooner or later. And so, 46 states got together and they created the Master Tobacco Settlement. The other four states also had a settlement with the tobacco companies. Uh, I forget what it was called, but it it was something else. But anyways, 46 states signed on to this master tobacco settlement, which said that based on consumption, the tobacco companies would pay the states huge amounts of money in exchange for the states not allowing individuals to sue them. And the tobacco companies, of course, added a little sweetener for themselves, a requirement that anybody new to the game, anybody who wanted to come in and make cigarettes had to put an enormous amount of money into this fund. It's a $9 billion a year fund now. They had to put an enormous amount of money into this fund in order to continue to make cigarettes. It really protected them from any competition. It is, of course, the perfect example of rent-seeking. Some states, like New York and California, looked at the amount of money that they were going to have coming in and said, well, how about if we spend it in advance? We can issue bonds and get that money up front. And then when the money comes in from the tobacco settlement, we can use that to pay off the bonds. There's only one problem with that. The amount that they get is tied to consumption. And when consumption of cigarettes goes down, so does their payment. And they're sitting there with all this debt that they accrued, money they got and spent. And we're not talking tiny little sums here. California gets $800 million a year from this, and New York State gets a little less than that, but it's close. Now, add to that the amount of taxes that they get from somebody buying cigarettes. For instance, here in New York State, where I live, the taxes are $4.75 a pack. Most smokers smoke a pack a day, or so, or more, But $4.75 tax every time that they walk into the store and slap down $12 or $14 to buy cigarettes, the state gets $4.75. That means for somebody that's smoking a pack a day, we're looking at $145 a month in taxes, or $1,740 a year. If you quit smoking and you switch to vapes, They just lost $1,740 on you. Now multiply that by the number of people who are quitting cigarettes and moving to vapes. It's a lot of money. They, of course, would never come out and admit that this is their motivation, and who knows, maybe it isn't, but I'm sure this was discussed behind closed doors, at the very least. So if somebody quits vapes, because the only thing that are available are the horrible tobacco-flavored ones, and goes back to cigarettes, well, that's another 1700 bucks and change in New York State's pocket. And money that they can use to pay the bonds that they bought expecting money from the Master Tobacco Settlement. We've seen the news media, of course, Handling this with all of their flair and accuracy. Screaming about how deadly and dangerous vapes are, when in fact, no, it's not vapes, it's THC vapes. I have yet to hear anyone from the mainstream media explain that it's the illegality of THC vapes that makes black market ones common. Nope. They're just playing it up. Look at all these vapes. Look at how terrible they are. All of our kids are doing vapes. So let's look at that. Let's look at some of the uh, bullshit that you can use to adjust your bullshit meter. Yes, vape use is rising amongst teenagers. Almost an exact mirror of how much cigarette use is dropping. Now, tobacco use amongst teenagers has been dropping steadily for quite a while. But right now, we see a 3.2% decline in tobacco use for every 3.1% increase in vape usage amongst young people. So these people, instead of having a cigarette habit, which... uh, they kill them, have a vape habit, which, as far as we know, is about as harmless a way to consume nicotine as there is. So whenever you hear, oh, kids are using vapes, a variation of the favorite, for the children wine that all pleasure police use, know that that's the fact, that yes, it is rising, But it's rising in direct proportion to how much cigarette use is declining. A while back, there was headlines that talked about popcorn lung. You'll get popcorn lung from smoking vapes because we found dactyl in one of them. Well, here's the actual story behind that. Dactyl does cause popcorn lung, but it only causes it amongst people who are exposed to it for a long time. The reason it's called popcorn lung is because people who were processing popcorn, microwave popcorn, the powder, I think it's the butter powder, but it may be a different flavor. But that powder contains this dactyl, which they inhaled, and they inhaled 40 hours a week, month after month, year after year. And after 10 or 12 years, they developed popcorn lung from constant exposure to this. Some of the Pleasure Police found a study, or funded a study maybe, that showed one or two brands, one or two flavors, had parts per billion of this dactyl in it, and then said, oh look, it'll give you popcorn lung. Yeah, nope, it won't. It's just more bullshit. So what's going to happen? The state that I'm in just... New York State, they're banning flavors on vapes, except for tobacco flavor. Now you walk into a vape shop, and they got all kinds of flavors. And fruit flavors are the most popular. You can also get some chocolate ones, things like that, but they're harder to find. The most popular are either mint, or a menthol kind of thing, or a lot of fruit flavors. Strawberry, cherry, apple, lemon, watermelon, all very popular and it's very nice. I, I mean, I do smoke these things. and I, So I ran out and I bought uh, several bottles. A bottle of vape juice usually lasts me about two months, two and a half months maybe. So I went out and bought three or four extra ones just to cover my trail until we figure out what's going on with this. What I suspect is that vape shops will have just the raw vape juice with no flavoring in it. And then sitting right next to that, little bottles of flavoring that you can get and add to your taste. And then, of course, they'll try and outlaw that. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But there are, I don't know how many, I know in in my area, in upstate New York, within a 10-mile radius, there are probably 15 vape shops, 10 or 15 vape shops. These are all places that nobody really cares about in the government as far as putting people out of business, as far as laying people off. You know, a vape shop typically has 6 to 10, 12 employees. They're all going to be out of a job when these places close, unless they figure a way around it. So the bottom line is, we know that cigarettes are dangerous. People like them. People like the nicotine. People like the process of Smoking, that's why you can have vapes with no nicotine in them. And the number of people who are going to quit using nicotine is pretty much maxed out. We used to have half the population smoke, now it's under 20%. But those 20% are diehards. People like me like our nicotine. So the market has given us a very good way, an inexpensive way, and a relatively healthy way of satisfying our nicotine cravings. And no, that's not being allowed. Can't do that anymore. Welcome to America, land of the free, boys and girls, ladies and gents. Yeah. So, I don't know whether we're going to have black market in flavored vape juice. We could. The stuff's really not that hard to make. You can buy the components easily enough. Like I said, I've got a bottle of um, propylene glycol here for my humidors. I'm not sure where it is, but bought a pint bottle of it for 12 bucks years ago. So you can buy this stuff. You can make your own vapes, but liquid nicotine is very dangerous to handle. And getting the percentages right is going to be tough. And So what's going to happen is if we do have black market nicotine vapes, there will be problems with those too. And some people will get sick from them. But... They don't care. They want their four seventy-five a pack. They want their MSM settlement. And they just don't want people to be enjoying themselves. And that's it for this episode of the Quick Hits Podcast. If you've learned a little something, if you've changed your mind, or even if you can just understand a different point of view without necessarily agreeing with it, congratulations. You've been smartinized. Back in the late 70s, around 1978, I had been doing college radio for four or five years at RPI. Now, I never actually went to school in RPI, but they had a big 10,000-watt station that had quite an extensive reach off a 700-foot tower. And they needed people to fill in during the summer and during school holidays in order to stay on the air, because the FCC regulations were that if you didn't stay on the air for a certain amount of time, you could lose your frequency or have other things happen to you. So, folks like me went in and did radio. And it was a great environment. I learned a lot of technical stuff there, and I learned a lot about music, because you had people into all different kinds of music. Say, hey, check out this album that Joni Mitchell did with Charlie Mingus. and oh, look at this over here, and, and people getting into other kinds of music and getting other people into different kinds of music, and it was great fun, great education. But I was getting bored with rock and roll. There was good stuff coming out, but none of it was new. None of it was fresh. None of it, none of it made you say, wow, that's really great. That blew me away. And I was wondering, is rock and roll dead? Is it stagnant? Is it stale? Is it never going to go anywhere else? Have all the ideas been used up? And I was kind of losing my faith in it. And then, within the same week, I heard more songs about buildings and food and The Cars, their first album named The Cars. And it was like, all right, rock and roll is back. It's cool again. There's still fresh new ideas out there. Ah, this is wonderful stuff. And it was wonderful stuff. The Cars were a band that I don't think I ever heard anybody say they didn't like the Cars. And every cut on that album was just perfectly produced. And even the spacing between the songs was perfect. We had two versions of it at the radio station. We had one that was the commercial version. And then we had one that was the DJ version. And on the DJ version, there were longer spaces and wider grooves between the songs to make it easier to cue them up. Well, I had the commercial version at home and I played it all the time and got to know it by heart. You know, when you know an album so well, you're anticipating the next song when it comes in. And sometimes when you're doing college radio, you go in and I used to spend a lot of time preparing my shows, putting things together, but I go in for a three or four hour shift and I'd only have two hours or so of prepared stuff and would get bored. And I just had to stay on the air for another hour or whatever. And there were various things that you could do at that point. There was a label called ECM Jazz and every ECM Jazz album would... Fit into every other ECM jazz album and you could just segue them very easily. They took up a lot of time. It's kind of spooky new wave jazz kind of thing. But one night I grabbed the Cars album and put it on to finish my shift. And it started playing. It sounded fine. But it was the one with the wide grooves. And a second or two different ...from the commercial album as far as how the songs fit together. And it was amazing how much that screwed up the record. It just it just wasn't right. Because that album was perfect even to the point of the space between the songs... ...and the order that those songs were in. Rick Ocasek died recently at 75... He did some things as singles. He also did a few more Cars albums. I don't think any of them were as good as the first, but they were fun. People liked them. I liked them. But, Rick, all I can say is thank you for restoring my faith in rock and roll and for some great music. Rest in peace. Hey, for those of you who are supporting me on Patreon, you only pay when I do a show, so I don't pay very often. I want to thank you folks I really do appreciate it. Turn some other people onto this if you'd like, if they want a podcast that comes out every several months. And uh, that doesn't leave me anything else to say except to remind you that the Quick Hits Podcast is a journal of one man's opinion and therefore should not be taken too seriously.